Hello and welcome to the Motor City Hoops podcast, an instant recap and reaction episode from Thursday night's game versus the Grizzlies. If you are new to the Motor City Hoops podcast, I am your host, Bryce Simon, a former D1 Hooper, current teacher, coach, husband, father of three amazing kids, and contributor at Detroit Bad Boys of SB Nation. And when I get the chance to watch our Pistons live, I'll do a short episode giving my immediate reactions, recap, and analysis of the game. Segments will include my biggest takeaways, player of the game, plays of the game, things to keep an eye on moving forward, and more. Before we get started with this one, I want to encourage you to go listen to episode 80 of the podcast that I recorded with Chris Oliver, founder of Basketball Immersion. That was absolutely one of the best, if not the best, episode we have recorded here at Motor City Hoops. I know I always promote the past episodes, but that is truly one you need to take some time and listen to. I've had all kinds of listeners reach out about how much they enjoyed it. I also just dropped my newest breakdown for Detroit Bad Boys, where I dove into Sadiq Bay and the sustainability and scalability of his game that we have seen over the past couple of weeks. We are recording this episode immediately after the Pistons' 88-118 loss to the Grizzlies. And I just want to say this for the listeners. I tweeted this out, but if you don't follow Motor City Hoops on Twitter, first you should at Motor City Hoops and subscribe to the YouTube channel. But I said, me and Wes went through the, this whole schedule at the beginning of the year and said, we're going to instant recap this game based on our schedule. We're going to instant recap this game. We're going to do a weekly episode, all of that stuff. And this is one we said we're going to instant recap. And we we made a promise that no matter what the outcome of the game, a win, a loss, or whatever, we were going to hold true to that. We are here to cover the Pistons and this team with the same energy and enthusiasm, whether they beat the Bucks or they lose to the Grizzlies. So we're here with this one, and we hope you enjoy it and how quickly the sky has fallen over the past two games since that Bucks win. Coming off a blowout loss at the hands of the Hornets on back-to-back. This is a back-to-back, the second of a back-to-back against the Grizzlies on Thursday night after back-to-back wins leading up to that game. And I do want to say about that game, I have zero problem with Caden Killian sitting in the fourth quarter. Absolutely none. And this is something I've got into some Twitter you know, debates and, and conversations about. I see both sides of the coin, and I'll talk about the other side later. Later, but you know, I, I talked about. I, I I understand people don't want to play the what if game, but what if Killian re-injures his thumb in that game? What if Cade rolls his ankle in the fourth quarter of a thirty-point blowout in the first of a back-to-back when I believe this team is playing seven games in the next eleven days, and these guys have just returned from COVID protocol? I had no issues with those guys not playing in the fourth quarter, just like I had no issues with them playing in the fourth quarter on Thursday night, but there is a nuance to it and there's some give and take to it. If, if, if Kate Cunningham rolls his ankle in the fourth quarter of that game or in Thursday night's game, the fan base is crushing him and probably hits the front page of ESPN for Dwayne Casey having him on the floor. I'm not saying you should make decisions based on that. All I'm saying is there are two sides to that coin and I can see both sides. Frank Jackson, who had been out with an ankle injury, actually entered health and safety protocols on Thursday. I believe the only players we have not seen enter health and safety protocols are Hami, Luka Garza, and Sadiq Bey. And I don't believe Jeremy Grant and Kelly Olenek have either. I don't know what their status is as injured players, but I believe everybody else on the roster has entered the the 15-man roster anyway, not necessarily the guys that have been signed to 10 days. Grizzlies coming into this game are fourth in the West, six-game win streak, including wins over the Suns, Lakers, Nets, and Cavs. So we're going up against a team that is very hot and very good and having a great season. Fifth in points scored, first in rebounds. That'll be a story of the game. First in block shots, not necessarily a great three-point shooting team. They go 10-32 tonight. 
Pistons start Killian Cade, Hami Bay, and Stewart in his first game back. The Grizzlies go with Ja, Brooks, Williams, the rookie, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Adams, and no Desmond Bain for the Grizzlies tonight. First quarter, I really like the opening set for the Pistons. They ran a little counter action to something they've run all season. It should have worked, but I felt like Sadiq Bey turned down the shot. That's something we'll talk about a little bit later. And then he made a one more to Killian Hayes, who I also thought turned down a shot, even though he was somewhat aggressive for his shot here early in the first quarter. Grizzlies killing the Pistons in the paint. They're going to, here in my notes I have, they're going to work them over on the defensive boards, on the Pistons defensive boards. If Detroit doesn't get five guys involved, and the Grizzlies ended up with 18 offensive rebounds in the game. Cade subs out with six minutes in the first quarter, changing the staggering of him and Hayes. I'll talk about that later. Grizzlies go on a 17-0 run here in the first, take a 25-8 lead. Casey had to take two momentum-stopping turn uh, timeouts. Josh Jackson actually gets a dunk after the second one to stop the run. Talk about that later. And just another awful first quarter from the Pistons, 32% from the field, 0% from the three-point line. 18-32 to 32 going into the second quarter. Cade running the second unit for the Pistons, and they even went zone for a couple possession. A couple Saban Lee threes cuts the lead to eight, but the Grizzlies immediately answer with a run of their own 7-0. Pistons again cut the lead to 10 behind five points from Cade Cunningham and then immediately give up an aforementioned offensive rebound. Zaire Williams makes a three, and the Pistons are just getting killed on the board, stalling any chance of making this a game. Into the first half, 10 offensive boards for the Grizzlies. Pistons shooting 36% from the field, 24% from three. Bay with no points on two shots. Lee did have 10 points and gave him some good minutes. 46-62 to start the third quarter. And this was where my irrational fan kind of came out in this game, if I'm being honest with you guys. I kind of watched the start of the third quarter. And I was like, if they go on a run right now, I feel like the Grizzlies aren't that into it. Like they just didn't look super focused and it looked like the Pistons had a chance. Of course, they probably really didn't. And they did not take advantage of it if there was any Grizzlies start making shots and the rest is history. Just a few notes before we go ahead and get into the biggest takeaway. Lee and Lyles were inserted early into the third quarter for Killian Hayes and Isaiah Stewart. And then Magruder and Lee provided some energy late in the third to make that quarter not look quite as bad as what it actually was. Pistons down 22 going into the fourth. Caden Killian, this is what I talked about earlier. They check back in down 26 with 10 minutes to go. I am perfectly fine with them playing in this fourth quarter, okay? All I'm saying is I can see both sides of it. Just like I was okay with them not playing in the fourth on Wednesday, I was fine with this one. I don't think they looked particularly interested, especially Killian Hayes, who ended up playing all the minutes, rest of the minutes in the fourth. Hayes did hit a three, so the people's argument for putting him back in the game is some confidence, for him. So he missed some shots. I didn't think he looked engaged defensively, but he did knock down a catch and shoot three. So if that com- if, if what comes away from that is some confidence in his shot going into the game Saturday against the Magic, then sure, it's worth it. Bay hits a three as well. But this game turned into glorified pickup the last six minutes. And I think sometimes that's why you play your into the bench guys, because those guys are truly excited to be in the game and have that opportunity. I didn't think some of the guys the Pistons had in the game at the end looked like they were that interested in it. Maybe it was just me. I try to say all the time not to judge body language through a TV or, for me, my phone. And so I guess I shouldn't say that. But that was just kind of my thoughts on that. Again, Pistons lose by 30, 88 to 118. Some biggest takeaways. We have one, two, three, four, five of them for you tonight. This is where we're going to spend a lot of our time for this instant recap episode. 
finally, I don't say that in like I'm expecting it or wanting it, but starting to see some Troy Weaver slander. So I just want to say this. I understand it and I figured it would be coming. Okay. Even for me, even for me, guys, who would say I was a 10 out of 10 in my trust for Troy Weaver, I've slipped a little bit. So I understand the fan base wanting to question a little bit. But I just want to say this, just as a reminder, the three highest paid players for the Pistons are not playing right now. Blake Griffin, we are paying to play for the Nets. Jeremy Grant is injured and Kelly Olynyk is injured. Okay. And three huge moves are coming. And for me personally, I'm waiting for those moves to be made and to see what happens next season before I make an overwhelming decision and feeling on where this organization is going. That's the Jeremy Grant trade or not trade. That's the 2022 draft pick. And that's free agency. And I'm not saying they're going to make a huge move in free agency, but they will have some money. So Troy Weaver has three big moves along with plenty of other tertiary moves I'm sure we'll see. And then we'll get to see next season whether we really start to see improvement or not. And that's where a lot of my trust and confidence will start to waver or increase and solidify. Okay, A lot of these guys we have playing right now, these guys are not yet night in and night out, guys. And that's where the inconsistency comes from. We see him beat the Bucs, and then we see back-to-back games where they look bad on the road. Cade is a rookie. And honestly, guys, I was even frustrated with him tonight. I even found myself being an irrational fan again, just like all of us, and questioning like, oh man, is he really the dude or not? Okay, it was a bad game. He's had a couple in a row that weren't necessarily great. But are we all of a sudden going to forget what he did to the Bucks? Okay, Wes brings up a good point before the episode. Anthony Edwards really broke out after the All-Star break last season in his rookie season. Okay, so let's give a whole year for this. I, I didn't think Killeen Hayes was particularly great tonight. Okay, I don't think Isaiah Stewart has looked extremely awesome or with a ton of improvement from last season. But does that mean he can't improve going into next season? So I just don't want to make blanket decisions over these guys from a back-to-back against the Grizzlies and the Hornets, two pretty darn good teams about what they are and the future of this organization and whether, you know, again, the sky is truly falling or not. I've said this before. I want to sit courtside for an NBA game just one time, guys, just one time. And this this one is inspired by Jaw telling Coach Casey he needed a timeout early in the first and then just continued throughout the game. You could see it all the time, him talking trash. I just want to hear what they say. I've said this before on, on past podcasts or past episodes. I, I'm just that in, maybe nosy, but I'm just that interested to know what the trash talk is, how much back and forth there is, and all of that. I thought the offense was flat out bad tonight. I don't know if you want to blame Coach Casey, if you want to blame the players, whoever you want. But for me tonight, it went beyond just missing shots. Early in the year, I was one of those guys that just felt like the offense was creating good shots, decent shots, in the flow, open shots, and they just weren't going in. Tonight, I did not feel that way about the offense. No flow, no rhythm. I thought spacing was bad and no chemistry. Keith Black Trudeau. Okay, one of the great follow on Twitter, a Pistons historian, had a tweet about overpassing. And I thought it was so true. Nobody really wanted to shoot. They kept overpassing. And that's very rarely something, very rarely something you say about an NBA team, but especially in the first half, I thought that was true. Cade eventually got aggressive and just started taking a bunch of shots. Okay. But I don't know if they just wanted to shoot threes and those weren't falling, so they didn't want to do anything else. The Grizzlies lead the league in blocks, so maybe they were afraid to take it in there. I think in ball screen situations, our on-ball 
handlers have to do a better job scoring it. If you go and listen to episode 80 with Chris Oliver, he talks about how inefficient our ball handlers in ball screen situations have been this season. But I do think this was not a game about just missing shots. The offense was bad. Whoever you feel like you want to place the blame on. I also want to say about the rebounding. I don't place the blame on a single person. Yes, it is our bigs responsibility or they have a bigger responsibility to rebound. I agree with that. I understand that. I understand that is a huge part of Isaiah Stewart's role. But it is everyone's job to rebound, especially on this team, especially when you're going up against a team that is known for their offensive rebound and second chance points, which I'll, I'll mention later when I'm talking about the Grizzlies. I don't know that this team has an elite defensive rebounder okay, on the roster. Maybe Hami, maybe JJ for wings, maybe those guys. I don't know if they're elite. Luca is a really good offensive rebounder, but his defensive rebounding woes have been highlighted by myself and others. Okay, so if we don't have an elite guy, then everybody has to get involved. Cade Cunningham has to be involved, which he usually has been, but I didn't think tonight he was great. Sadiq Bey, and I'll talk about this, only had three rebounds tonight. He has to be involved. Killian Hayes. I don't expect Killian to be a 20-point-a-game-a-night guy, but go get us six defensive rebounds along with your assists, your steals, and your great defense. Everybody on this team has to be involved on the rebounding. We're not going to all of a sudden get bigger than everybody else. So five guys have to get involved, and I don't think we just say, oh, it's just okay, we're small. I do think that this team can be better on the boards. Games like tonight where Bay isn't getting the usage, okay, how else does he contribute? This I, I've talked about this. His game is scalable, taking the shots we've talked about, the catch-and-shoot threes, shot fake, drive, finish, or get to the free throw line. Help comes, dish, but a little bit as reliant on him getting catch-and-shoot opportunities, his man helping off, other guys breaking down the defense. Okay, we've talked about, you know, people didn't like that he worked on his ISO game. Well, if you don't want him to have an ISO game, then whenever they stay hugged up to him, and I haven't watched the film, I'm not saying that's necessarily what happened, but if they stay hugged up to him, then he's just flat out not going to get shots. Okay, so that is the pro and con of him staying in his lane, quote-unquote, or just staying in his role. But the other thing is he has to find other ways to get involved. He has to get on the boards like I talked about earlier. Maybe do go get a couple offensive rebounds to get to the free throw line and get things going. So that's the give and take of him kind of staying in his lane and being that scalable guy. But there's going to be nights when that scale is on the low end like tonight. Player of the game, Saban Lee, 14 points, two rebounds, five assists. I thought he brought good uh, energy in his 15 minutes. And Rodney Magruder, seven points. He's just a pro's pro. And quite honestly, got the leading scorer was Saban Lee with 14. Who else were we going to give the player of the game to? I know usually we do three. All I had for you was two. I don't mean to be overly negative, but it's those two guys. Plays of the game, Josh Jackson did have yet another poster, third straight game off a pass from Justin Robinson. Went down the middle of the lane, had a nice poster there. And then Cade Cunningham passes up a transition opportunity, ends up passing the ball almost back to half court to Hami, who shoots a walk-up miss three. That is not the play of the game. What I liked was Cade's response to that. And I even tweeted out about it. But then the next two possessions, he makes a three, makes a mid-range pull-up, and then hits another three about a minute later. Now, in a night where Cade was not very good, he was 5-19, 2-10 from three, did have five rebounds, six assists, and only one turnover. So some good things from Cade. All right, I didn't think he was involved on the boards. His defense, I don't think, has shown quite as much but obviously inefficient shooting. That little stretch I thought was worth noting 
Okay. You could almost see it like, oh shoot, I wasn't aggressive. Nobody's being aggressive. I better go get a bucket or start trying to get buckets. And we saw him do it. I know it didn't matter in the grand scheme of things in terms of keeping the game close, but I did like that. A few things to keep an eye on, possible return of Kelly Olenek, impending return of Kelly Olenek. I do believe it was reported he had been designated to the crews. Okay, so the fact that he's down there with them hopefully means he's practicing. If you remember when Cade Cunningham was coming back from his ankle injury, that's where he went for a little while before returning to the Pistons. So hopefully that's something, and I do think that that's something that could obviously, as I outlined earlier, as he's one of the top three paid players on the roster, okay, or, or on the books at least, all right, obviously a guy we – Troy Weaver and the organization was planning on contributing. Hayes aggressive early looking for a shot. I liked it. Three attempts in the first four and a half minutes. I was interested to see how many he ended up with. I don't, I wish I had the stat of how many shots he took in the fourth quarter. I believe it was three or four. So if he did that, he didn't have very many shots in between that. I think he is a guy right now that if he misses his first couple shots and gets off to a slow start, it does affect his aggressiveness throughout the rest of the game. Cade with the second unit. I like that. I talked about this staggering of minutes. They had been doing it with Killian where, where Killian would sub out, you know, six minutes in the first quarter, then come back to start the second. They reversed it. I kind of like the little change there. All right. So Cade came in with the second units to start the second quarter, which was Saban Lee, Josh Jackson, Lyles, and Garza. But what I like is when this team is healthy, that could be Cade with Frank Jackson, I wouldn't even mind, honestly, guys, Saban Lee, the way he played tonight, Trey Lyles and Luca Garza or Kelly Olynyk in there somewhere. Like you, what my point is, you could put some guys around him that can really keep the floor space with, with that combination of guys. Even Saban Lee was two of two from three point line tonight. So I like that. Maybe a, a Saban Lee, Frank Jackson, Cade backcourt. And then, you know, a Lyles. I know people don't love Lyles, but a Lyles Olenek. I don't know if we're going to see the Olenek Garza combination, but just I, I like that. And I'm interested to see what that may look like. Okay. Pistons ball handlers scoring the ball and pick and roll. I already talked about that. Again, go listen to episode 80 with Chris Oliver and what he had to say about that in terms of what the Pistons ball handlers have done so far this year. And now I kind of wonder, does this team now have a first quarter problem? Remember, you know, probably a few weeks ago, there was a stretch where it was a third quarter problem for this team. They would play really well, be with the team up to halftime. And then, you know, I think Dwayne Casey even talked about shortening his halftime speech. So that way they could come out in the third quarter and play better. And so then now it's like, do they need to find some way to start games better? You know, has it been the switching of the lineups and the chemistry and the flow? I don't know. Have we maybe, you know, the win over the Bucks did that awaken the Hornets or open the Hornets and the Grizzlies' eyes to so like, we better be ready for this team because if we're not, they can come out and do something. And again, two teams that are playing really well. So just something to keep an eye on moving forward on whether this continues to be an issue. So some thoughts on the other team, just really, really quick. John Morant is really, really good. I talked about the trash talk earlier, but he is really good. Zaire Williams, I thought had a good game. Lazarus Jackson at last chance had a really funny tweet about him being part of a a future Jeremy Grant trade deal. I thought that was kind of funny. Tyce Jones played well for the Grizzlies. And, you know, I think there was a a graphic about their second chance that had them of one of the best teams over the past few years. I didn't catch that for sure. I know it had them at the top. I think it was over the past few years, but I'm not positive. But obviously a team that gets a lot of offensive rebounds and then converts those into points. Just a quick look ahead. The Orlando Magic will be coming off three days off. So they won't play. They didn't play on Thursday night. They don't play Friday night. And then that game is on Saturday for the Pistons and the Magic. 
And so I believe they were, they were going to have three days off before that game against the Pistons. So they will be well, well rested. I guess it'll just be two games, excuse me, as they played on Wednesday night. So they'll have Thursday night, Friday, and then play that game on Saturday. Cole Anthony averaging 20 points a game. For the Magic, Franz Wagner having a heck of a rookie season. You're almost getting hearing him getting talked about in some rookie of the year conversations. Obviously played at Michigan. And so nice to see a Michigan kid having a good year. And it'll be interesting to see him playing against Detroit. He's averaging 15, almost 16 points a game on 45, 37, 84 shooting splits. Wendell Carter Jr., Mo Bamba, a couple big guys I'm interested to watch. R.J. Hampton, a guy I always kind of keep track of. And then just a reminder that Jalen Suggs is actually out with a thumb injury. Um, I think he's been out for over a month. I, I don't know if what his, his status is in terms of if he's about to be back for the Magic or not. But uh, as of right now, I would assume he will not be playing in that game for the Orlando Magic. As always, I want to thank my guy, Wes Davenport, the producer of the Motor City Hoops podcast, who takes care of so many things behind the scenes to make the podcast better for you and easier for me. I also want to thank you, the listener, for taking time out of your day to listen to the podcast. You have no idea how much it means to us, the amount of support we are getting right now. Please make sure you give us a follow on Twitter at Motor City Hoops and go subscribe to the YouTube channel so you never miss out on any of the content. Motor City Hoops will be back on Tuesday morning with a weekly episode where it will be joined by my friend, Pistons fan, content creator, and all-around great basketball mind, Matt Issa. Thank you for listening. Go Pistons, and we'll talk to you soon. Pistons need a three. They have just under three seconds.